Welcome to the Leadership Laboratory with Christopher Schnatz. This is a podcast where we talk to college coaches, administrators, and athletes, exploring personal stories of achievement and leadership development. We hope you enjoy today's episode. On this episode of the Leadership Laboratory, we have the men's basketball coaching staff from the United States Merchant Marine Academy, Coach Rob Pryor and Coach Derek Brooks. Welcome to the Leadership Laboratory. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Chris. All right. Thank you guys for uh, taking the time to join me today. You know, we've been discussing this for a little while now, Rob, about uh, uh, what this podcast is about and about leadership and leadership development. So I'm really excited that you both are here with me today so we can get the perspective of of the coaching staff as it is to leadership and leadership development with midshipmen. So uh, we're going to jump right in. Rob, you're entering your fourth season. Derek, you're entering your third season at the United States Merchant Marine Academy, which is one of the five U.S. Federal Service Academies. Uh, but you both are no strangers to academy life. You're, you're Air Force grads, Air Force Academy grads, um, and now you're working together here at Kings Point. So, you know, let us know how has your first couple of years together uh, been here at the academy? Well, it's been tremendous. You know, I would say before Derek got here and when I got the job here in 2017, I started in September. So, you know, basically I had a volunteer assistant and, you know, Derek wasn't here yet and just trying to recruit and do all the things that we need to do to have a successful program, really build a successful program uh, was, was a challenge. But when he came, you know, it was an immediate boost, you know, and I used to, I was an assistant coach at Air Force when Derek was a player. And so I knew the type of man that was going to be coming here. Yep. And he understood, you know, how I wanted things to be with the guys and things we were teaching in terms of concepts on offense and defense. And then I can tell you he's way more organized now than he was as a cadet <laughs> player. So, you know, that was that was big. And so I think you've seen everything in the program improve, you know, because of his arrival. How, how has it been for you here, Derek? It's a – being at, at Air Force for three years, um, this is a very similar um, atmosphere, um, being a, a federal service academy as well. So you get similar uh, with, with the midshipmen. You get really good uh, people, um, and that always helps out the job. But just the opportunity to learn from Coach Pryor, um, the one thing that I tell our recruits all the time is he was the first assistant coach that I would go to as a cadet. Um, if I ever needed anything, um, he was there during my troubles and my trials academically at, at the academy. Um, I will say I am a little bit more organized now um, <laughs> than I was back then, but um, just an opportunity to come here, um, learn from him, um, see this program grow over the two years that I've been here, the three years that coach um, has been here. Um, it's, it's amazing. Um, it's, a, it's a testament to him as a coach. Um, but it's it's an opportunity for me to learn from somebody like Coach Pryor. Yeah, what a unique situation to have you both here. You know, coming from the from the Air Force Academy and then and then doing it here, where you, you have that history. You're not, you know, taking the job in September. Uh, you know, I, I've taken jobs mid year. It's a tough deal. You're you're diving right into the season. So, you know, that first season is not a throwaway. But you're you're still trying to get your feet under you, most likely here. And then having having a year under your belt when when uh, Derek gets here, and then having that pre established relationship where you guys really hit the ground running and I think it's shown in your program I think you guys have shown improvement year to year um, you know eventually last year at the end of your third season coach you know making the playoffs for the first time and 
in what six years at the academy. Uh, so getting getting USMMA basketball back on the map here in the Skyline Conference and and making making the postseason, I'll say, uh, in one of the most exciting games that I that I witnessed uh, on the road against a rival, which happens to be my alma mater, uh, <laughs> down down ten with five minutes to go, if I remember correctly, and coming out with a five point win. Winner, you know, the winner of that game goes to the playoffs. You know, you guys are playing for everything. And by the way, it's the last game of the season, uh, so everything coming together and. Uh, seeing how that season played out last year uh, was really exciting for me, but I mean, for you guys, it had to be tremendous. Yeah, it was uh, tremendous. Also, a little terrifying because <laughs> uh, you just described coaching. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we worked really hard uh, that season. The guys were really bought in, and you know, we hadn't beat Maritime since I I'd been here. You know, and it was it was a situation where we had a really resounding win over them here you know so now can we can we go there and not think about what we did at home right knowing everything's on the line you know they just had an off day that day I mean they beat some some good teams and like you said it was a winner take all scenario so I was really happy that our guys rose to the occasion you know we haven't been a tremendous road team since I've been here you know so that was the other thing and that was another reason that I was excited for the guys just to see that growth and that resiliency you know, in that moment. And, you know, a lot of the stuff, when you get down to the last five minutes of game, you're down 10. I mean, you're not, it's not a whole lot of plays that you're calling to, to make the difference. Right. You know, it's guys doing what they do in practice every day. And as a coach, us trusting them to do it well and needing to do it extremely well, you know, to overcome that type of deficit on the road. So a really exciting game, a great moment for the program. And, you know, obviously want to build on that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we haven't really talked about that game since probably the the day after, the two days after. So to hear that and hear how that kind of played out is uh, is really is really great to hear how they, you know, that's what they do. Players they dig down and they either show up uh, or, or they don't. And and the team last year really did, and I think it set a really positive tone for the program uh, and for the young guys, the the young recruiting class that you had, and now you have another. Really good class coming in, uh, and we'll get into that stuff a little bit later, but but a great way to start off this podcast. Another part of this podcast is really to showcase small college coaches and their journey into the coaching career, the business of you know college. These jobs don't come around very often. They're not easy to get. The, these careers are not easy to sustain. Um, so I just want to hear a little bit about uh, you know how you guys broke into the business. So, Coach Pryor, we'll start with you. How did you how did you break into this business of coaching? How did you end up here at Kings Point? So, I, and I've told this story before, but I went to Langley Air Force Base for my first assignment, and I was in contracting. So, I'm in a cubicle with the phone and the uh, federal acquisition regulation in front of me, and not not real excited about what I was doing. Not feeling like I was really having an impact. So. I coached this group of middle school kids at, at a rec center, you know, kids that had got cut from their middle school team. And before the very first game, I was so excited and jacked up, I threw up in the bathroom before the game. Like I was just, you know, so we get out there. I think we lost the game, probably my fault. But, you know, <laughs> as, I, as I come back to it and I got back to my job that Monday, I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Like, this isn't what I want to do. I want to coach basketball. And eventually uh, we, we got to uh, be able to coach at the Air Force Academy. I got stationed there to teach. So I was teaching the behavioral science department. 
And this is where, you know, for young coaches, the networking comes in. So the head coach at the Air Force Academy Prep School was my head coach when I was a JV player at the academy. Uh, I was nowhere near good as Coach Brooks. You know, he was varsity. He was in postseason tournaments playing. But so, you know, I asked Coach Christian, hey, you know, can I volunteer and, and help you? So I teach during the day and then after work I'd go down there and and help him and uh, after a year he decided or after two years he decided to retire and I got the head job there you know he recommended me for the head job and the rest is kind of history but the big thing and as a young guy I think coming in I thought you know I'm ready to be the head coach of you know Duke and when Coach K hangs it up I'm I'm stepping (laughs) right in there you're the guy I'm the guy but, you know, paying your dues and, and volunteering, you know, is the way to go. You know, like it's unless you have significant connections, which I didn't have, you know, at the, at the time other than uh, Coach Christian giving me an opportunity to help him out. But I volunteered. You know, there was no additional pay involved with it. It was after my job, my teaching job that I was doing during the day. And that ended up being my foot into coaching. And, you know, 20 years later, here we are. Yeah, you know, that's, you know, I thought I had a unique story uh, about about how I started coaching. You know, I started coaching, volunteering, JV, middle school, high school. Uh, I've been, I started this podcast really selfishly as a way to learn leadership from other leaders. And, and I've been doing this a couple times now. I got a handful of these things recorded. And uh, I've now heard this three or four times about volunteering at the middle school level. And now I'm talking to a college professional. Uh, somebody that's in the business and has been doing it a long time and, and doing it really well. So to those that are listening, I mean, it, you got to get your foot in the door somehow. You're not going to break in. It's, it's very rare that you're going to break in at a, like a grad school level or, or a, a division one uh, uh, program. You know, that's not always the case, what you see on TV. Um, but uh, you got to, you got to get your foot in the door somewhere. And you, you took advantage of a, of a little opportunity and turned it into a career here that you're doing a tremendous job. Thank you. I appreciate it. So then we'll turn to the D1 opportunity over here, Coach Brooks. All right, this might sound a little um, similar to, to Coach Pryor. Um, I was stationed at Hanscom Air Force Base in Massachusetts, and one of my college teammates who was a senior when I was a freshman, I followed him around almost all the time. Whenever he went somewhere, I was in his car. Um, he was also stationed in Massachusetts, um, and he was working with the local AAU team. And he was like, hey, DB, come come help. Come be my assistant coach. And I'm like, okay, I'll go be your assistant coach. So I uh, went to one of the tournaments. I sat on the bench. Um, it was the 16-year-olds, uh, 16U. And we're sitting on the bench. We probably lost two out of the three games that we played in that AAU tournament. Um, and then afterwards, he was like, hey, come to practice uh, this week. I'm like, okay, man, I don't. I don't see myself coaching. I never saw myself coaching um, because I was hard-headed and stubborn as a player, so I couldn't see myself coaching somebody like myself. Um, But I went to practice, and just hearing the ball bouncing, the shoes squeaking, I was like, right there, I was okay. A career change might be coming um, once this five-year commitment is over with. Um, And then I got a unique opportunity to go back to my alma mater. I went back to the Air Force Academy um, to be the assistant coach and military liaison for our women's basketball program um, there at the academy for three years. I got to work under two uh, amazing coaches and got to learn a lot. 
Um, I ended up separating from the Air Force after my third year um, and took a job in L.A. Um, as a financial auditor. And then uh, this was during the year that Coach Pryor was spending here with, with no assistant coach and a volunteer assistant. And he called me. He asked me if I wanted to get back into coaching. Um, we're actually in the car on our way to look for houses in L.A. Um, and, and my wife was on – coach was on speakerphone. My wife was sitting in, in the passenger side. She looks at me, um, and she could see it in my eyes that I was going to say yes. And she saw <laughs> um, And And, again, it, it just turned out that this was a great opportunity, being that I was already at a service academy previously for three years. Um, you know the type of kid that, that wants to come to a service academy. Um, and, and it's been great. Uh, my two years here, it's, it's been amazing just being here. The difference, obviously, every service academy is a little different, but you know, at the end of the day, everybody has the same um, opportunities after graduation, and that's what you know really drew me to this place. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it's uh, I would have thought, you know, I've been here a year. I would have thought you've been here for a lot longer than that. I think you've made a really smooth transition coming in and and really establishing establishing yourself as as a as an assistant coach, part of the staff, and really take ownership of a lot of what goes on on the day-to-day, not only for the basketball team, but for the department too. So, you know, I, you know it seems like you've been here a lot longer, but you're still a newbie like me. So uh, we still got some work to do. But it, it's been really good to watch you two with your team. I got one season under, under the belt here watching you guys, and we're hoping, we're hoping to see you guys on the floor again soon. We'll talk about that a little later too. But, that you know, hopefully that's more to come. Um, so leadership, this is the leadership laboratory, you know, I want to know from you guys, what does leadership mean to you? What, what you can, you can talk about it as it means to basketball or as it just means in life or professionalism. What, what is leadership, uh, Rob, what does leadership mean to you? Well, for me, you know, and I'll talk about it maybe in the context of, you know, our team or anyone that I'm supposed to be leading or any group of people that I'm supposed to be leading. And, and for me, I feel like my job is, you know, number one, to inspire. You know, I think that's really, really important that the people that I'm working with and I'm, I'm leading are inspired to accomplish whatever goal we're trying to accomplish. Uh, then the second thing I would say is equip them. You know, they, they have, have to be equipped to be successful to accomplish the stuff that we're trying to accomplish, you know, for, for our team specifically, you know, it's not just about winning basketball games. You know, we want to equip them to do well academically in the classroom. We want to equip them to be great character, you know, to have great character and to make good decisions and to do things with integrity. Uh, You know, that's really, really important. And then, you know, empowering them because if we're not empowering them to, to do the things that we need to do to accomplish the goals that we set forth, then it becomes about me. It becomes about Coach Brooks. You know, now I always tell the guys, if they had a dollar for every time I said this, they, they'd be rich. But I said, as long as this is just our team, the coach's team, we'll never be very good. You know, you guys have to be empowered to be accountable to yourself and, and to each other. Uh, and then the last thing is support. So now that we've empowered them, now we support them in their journey. And I think what's starting to happen with us now is, and it even happened even before we had our sophomores and juniors come back. We just had our freshmen and sophomores here and in in our freshmen and senior here in the, in the fall. 
and we would say certain things in practice, you know, and we're basically really teaching the freshmen what to do and, and those types of things. And our seniors were kind of laid back, you know, initially. But after a while, they started telling those guys what to do. And then the freshmen started telling each other what to do before I could say anything or Coach Brooks could say anything. And so now you know at that point, you know, we've got a chance, you know, because cause they're taking ownership of it. So, you know, leadership matters. You know, at the end of the day, it's so important. It matters. Uh, and, and we do it all together. You know, it's not about me. It's not about Coach Brooks. not about any individual one player. It's about the team. And so, you know, I look at my, my job is – to, to lead that journey that we all take together. Yeah, I think here at the Academy, you know, our focus is on leadership development, specifically through athletics. I think we do a, a really good job here. Uh, one thing that I've noticed, you know, in my short time here is that uh, the coaching staff, not only your coaching staff, but across the board, um, they really allow, they empower their student-athletes to lead. Uh, across the board and more so than any other place I've been. I know you've been to a, a couple places. Uh, you've been to one other place coaching, but I've bounced around a little bit and, and it's hard even just organizing a team meeting um, uh, for compliance or, or you name it, anything. I would have to call every single kid and then I have to follow up with every single kid and follow up again and check in with the captains. And I remember my first month here, I wanted a meeting with a team and uh, I forget where it was, but okay, I'll call the captain and let him know. The captain arranged that they were there. There was no follow-up. There was no additional phone calls. It was just either a text or an email. Uh, we're going to be there at 1 o'clock, be there at 1 o'clock, and, and we get going. And I found I, th- I was surprised the first time, and then it was like, oh, wow, this is it's across the board here. This is, this is a different place. And so leadership development and being intentional about your leadership and, and what the things that you described uh, inspire, equip them, empower them, support them. Um, those are really major factors in developing leaders, which I don't know that all coaches do that, uh, especially young coaches. I think young coaches are just trying to win games. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I think we've all been in that place at one time or another. We just have to figure out how to win. Right. Um, and now you're figuring out how to lead. And as you said, when we open, leading, win, le- leading leads to winning because they hold each other accountable. So what you just described is really, really on point. I appreciate that. Coach, how about you? What does leadership uh, mean to you? Leadership to me um, is having a vision and getting people from different backgrounds to believe in that vision and have that common goal. Um, I think some of the best leaders in America, in this nation, are coaches uh, because you go out and you recruit and you sit in um, different uh, households and different living rooms and you're recruiting young men and women from totally different backgrounds um, to come and be be the best person they could be on the court for you. Um, and, and that's why I think coaches are the best leaders, um, in my opinion. Um, but, again, it's, it's, it's getting multiple people to, to do and, and see a, a common goal and a vision and, and executing that vision. And that's what leadership is to me. And in coaching, I love that. In coaching, the vision, it, it could be the same from year to year for you. The vision, the overall vision may be the same, but you have a new group of students every year. You're bringing in four or five guys every year. You've got guys graduating. So now you're, you're not starting over, but you're developing how to see that vision, how to, how to develop that vision with a whole new group of students and how, how do they work together. So that's, that's kind of what keeps coaching 
fun and exciting and probably frustrating too uh, is to, to really keep that vision alive and, and keep teaching that and keep growing with every team that you have. And, you know, Derek, you brought up multiple students or most, multiple athletes from different backgrounds. Um, you know, that's what we're trying to do here at the academy. I think people are doing that all over the country, but uh, that kind of leads me right into, you know, the next topic that we want to talk about. But your team on campus here is, I was going to say one of, but it's the most diverse team on campus. Uh, you know, we have a very diverse group of, of midshipmen just because the makeup of the college is, is across the United States, right, and beyond. Um, but then when you talk about ethnic backgrounds and culture differences, and I, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, but your team is the most diverse team on campus. Um, and this is not the most diverse working environment here on campus. Okay. We, I think we're, I think we all understand that. Sure. Um, you've both been leaders in the diversity and inclusion, uh, club and, and also athletic committee that we've developed here on campus. You guys are leading the charge across campus. You're, you're very, very active. Um, let's talk about the importance of diversity and leadership and why you both believe it's so important to educate young athletes and, and, and the impact that it has. Yeah, I think, the idea of diversity and inclusion is so important. And and the main reason is the issues that we're facing in athletics and, and really, you know, across our country, they're, they're complex. You know, these are complex issues, uh, complex challenges uh, that are, you know, not limited to, to one area or another. You know, I think it goes across different areas. So, for me, in order to solve complex problems, I want as many perspectives as I can get. You know, I want as many diverse perspectives as I can get. And I think when you do that, you give yourselves as an organization, as a team, the best opportunity to, su- to solve whatever the issue is that you have. You know, if you have a, a situation where it's everyone thinks the same or everyone's from the same area or everyone's background is the same or everyone looks the same. Now, you know, you, you get maybe this group think going where you, you have maybe the solution or you think is a solution, but you've got these blind spots. And I think what diversity and inclusion does is it helps you to identify those blind spots. And now you're able to to come up with the, with the best solution. Cause someone may have some experiences that, you know, someone else doesn't have, you know, with either a particular situation or with a particular person could be cultural, could be regarding race, whatever it is. And they can shed some light on it that someone else may not have. Uh, and I think that's really, really important. Uh, the other thing is we have to expose our student athletes to it here because when they graduate, they go into the military and, you know, Derek's been in the military, I was in for almost 10 years and, you know, I'm going to tell you, it's diverse (laughs) in the military, no matter what branch you go into. And I've never been at sea, but, you know, from what I hear, there's a lot of diversity at sea, especially with unlicensed crew. Yeah. And you recently had a story uh, from one of your athletes. Break into that a little bit. Talk talk about that. Yes, absolutely. So uh, we had one of our players, Isaiah Nix, amazing uh, young man, but he calls me from, from sea. You know, kind of when there's a lot of social unrest going on this summer. And he says, Coach, you know, I got to tell you something. You know, he says, first of all, I hate that I'm not there being able to do something. But he said, the other thing is, I'm here on this ship. And, you know, there's a lot of diversity on this ship. 
you know, most of the crew, the unlicensed crew, they're from all different places. You know, they're from the Philippines. You have, uh, you know, have Hispanics, you have African-Americans, you have people from different countries. And he says, the, I don't feel like I'm prepared to, to lead in that situation. And he says, I know I have some time, you know, yet, but I just don't feel prepared. And that was very, very telling for me and something that I didn't know, you know, about the maritime industry, you know, myself. So I, you know, I can speak from being in the Air Force and being a, an officer on that end. But the maritime industry, he educated me and it just really put into focus that it has to be an emphasis, you know, for us, you know, not just in athletics, but you know, also for the academy as a whole, for us to get to where we want to be and, and really help them be complete leaders, you know, when they graduate. Yeah, and I think that's been, uh, we've talked about that several times in several different venues here on campus and, you know, starting or engaging with the diversity and inclusion athletic committee that we've put together and you lead and you support, um, you know, that's been, that's been a topic every single month that we've met and everything, every group that we've met with, uh, we continue to tell that story because we have to develop our midshipmen and we have to expose them uh, to a more diverse uh, population of, of students, of, of administrators, of leaders. Uh, you've got to be able to work with a variety of people uh, when you leave the academy. Uh, and if you don't get exposed to it as a young adult, uh, you're going to get thrown into the mix and you're going to be, you're going to struggle right off the bat. And I love what you said about, you know, identifying the blind spots. It's almost what I thought of when you were thinking of that, when you were saying that was uh, it's almost like a mob mentality when, when everybody's thinking the same and acting the same and you, you, agreeing with each other you know you don't want people to agree all the time you know and I, I go back to the first head coach I worked for at the college level Graylin Gordon who's uh so happy he allowed me to volunteer with him for four years uh, at the college level but in one of the first games uh, I ever sat down with him uh you know I'm on the bench as an assistant coach and uh, we go into the halftime and he's looking for adjustments and I'm agreeing with him uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. And he turned to me and said, Chris, if you agree with me one more time, you might as well just go home. <laughs> I don't need you to agree with me. Right. I need you to give me some stuff that I can work with. And, and uh, you know, I never forgot that. Uh, and that was early, early in my career. And I spend every single day on the bench from there on out. You know, I watch him and I look at the situation and I'm trying to see what he's thinking about. And I'm trying to think of something else just to throw at him. And it really developed me as a coach and a leader to try to think outside the box a little bit um, all the time, really. I'm always trying to play devil's advocate. I'm always trying to, even if I don't believe, I'm trying to throw something out there and see what, you know, see what my teammates think. Um, and that really gets ideas generated and gets things going, gets conversations going. And, you know, uncomfortable conversations is what the Diversity and Inclusion Committee was really uh, uh, born to do. And we, we've started to do that here at the Academy with your leadership. Um, and I hope we can continue to do that because it's, it's really important, and that's that's what this stuff is for too. Hopefully, we're going to bring some athletes here, put some headphones, and put a microphone in front of them, and start talking about some uncomfortable topics and, and record them. You know, and maybe they'll start thinking about uh, you know what leadership really, really is, especially when you're getting ready to go out into the industry or, or the armed forces, because uh, you're going to be surprised pretty quick when you get out there. Absolutely, Derek. Anything to add about leadership? No, I think the biggest thing that Coach touched on was the exposure. Um, being a, the recruiting coordinator and I go in coach's office and I bring, you know, kids to his, to his board and, and 
the biggest thing with our team is finding a diverse group of individuals. Um, when you're putting together a team, everybody, like you said before, everybody can't think alike. You know, everybody can't be a shooter. Somebody got to get the rebound. Somebody got to uh, set good, solid screens. Um, somebody has to be the point guard that leads the team. Um, and and I think you know here at, at this leadership factory, you get an opportunity to um, be exposed to different people. Um, on the court, that's probably the best way to find your leadership um, style um, because Coach and I are both from Virginia, but we're both from two different parts of Virginia. Um, you know, we're, he has a similar background, and, and this is the reason why I go to him uh, for advice, um, but we're still different. You know, and when you go out into the world and you graduate from this place and you graduate from any university um, in the nation, you're going your first – conference meeting or your first um, staff meeting, you're going to be sitting in a, in a room full of different people. Um, and if everybody, like you said, says yes and aren't afraid to step on toes, aren't afraid to, to be the person that comes up with a different idea, then your company, your staff, your team is only going to go certain, uh, a certain place or go a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, uh, I feel so lucky that basketball has been part of my life. It's it's really brought diversity into my life. You know that this, this is a sport that that's taken me you know all over the place. I say all over the world. I didn't play all over the world, but I went to college and I got to travel. Uh, you know, in the maritime industry, and I've been all over the place. But I went there to play basketball and, and get an education. And um, uh, I've coached teams uh, with some of the most diverse teams. Uh, across the country. You know, we used to joke about it back at IU Northwest. Uh, we had one of the most, we definitely had a, you know, we had African-Americans, Hispanics, uh, uh, you know, uh, white, black, Asian, everything under the sun we had on our team. Um, and, and we created a family every single year and we found a way to work together and get to know each other and, uh, absorb our differences. And, uh, make fun of our differences a little bit too, and have some fun along the way, and, and really get to know other individuals. And uh, uh, basketball has just provided that for me. And you know, it's I, I find it obvious that that the basketball team here would be the most diverse uh, uh, team on campus. But I think it's got to set the tone for the rest of the academy, and find other programs have to find a way uh, to recruit a little bit differently. The academy has to recruit a little differently, I think, and and. Um, you know, I think we, we have a lot of growing to do here. So I think that's that's what leadership is about, and I think we're going to eventually get there uh, because we're having these uncomfortable conversations and we're finding a way to do it in a positive way uh, and expose our athletes and our staff, too. you got to expose the staff and the Absolutely. and the faculty to uh, the diverse population. That's good. Really good insight. So, so let's focus just on your basketball team right now, um, you know, being intentional about leadership development, I think, is, is really important. We touched on that a little bit. When you're a young coach, you're just trying to figure out how to, how to win that next game and uh, how to not have a losing record and, you know, all the things that you think are really, really important, which, which aren't. Uh, uh, you know, the most important is, is development of, of those student-athletes that you're responsible for. So how do you promote leadership development within your basketball program? You know, I think – one of the things that we really try and do with the guys, kind of what I said earlier, is is really to empower them. You know, it's more than just being team captains. I think team captains is important, and I think it's a very important role. And we put a lot of responsibility on the guys that are 
voted team captain. You know, we don't just appoint them. We allow the team to have some say in who they want to be led by. Uh, but, but how we do it really is really encouraging them to make the right decisions daily. You know, whether it's on the basketball court or it's in the regiment, you know, we, we want them to, or in the classroom, so we talk about different things. You know, some of the things that we'll talk about will be, you know, cheating, for example. So not taking shortcuts, you know, the importance of preparation. You know, there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts to winning a championship. There's no shortcut to, you know, getting an A on that test. You know, you got to put the work in. You got to prep. And, and that's, you know, that's leadership because, you know, you're going to run into situations where there's opportunities where you could engage in cheating or, you know, someone you know is about to engage in cheating and you have an opportunity to, to make a difference, you know, kind of in that moment. And, you know, we talk about situations outside of our program, you know, could be something pulled straight from the headlines, you know, where someone makes, you know, a poor decision uh, and, and what are the consequences of that. Right. So just daily, you know, enforcing that type of thing and having those discussions and then being open for them to come to us about, anything that they have, any type of dilemmas that they have, or just say, you know, coach, you know, what do you think about this? And not necessarily telling them what to do, but just giving them something to think about so that they can make their own decisions. Uh, and and we've, what we've seen is they have taken this kind of empowerment and done like great things academically. You know, I don't want to knock on the table right now, but we haven't had one guy on academic probation since we've been here. I'll knock you know? on that. I'll <laughs> knock on that for you. So, you know, th- those guys have, you know, their team GPA, team GPA is above 3.0. You know, I've never been in a school, even when we were at Air Force, you know, uh, where the team GPA was above 3.0 for basketball players. I apologize yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so coach, so we were talking about this, like every school we've, I've been at, what are the two lowest GPA teams? Basketball and football, yep. you know, and, and that's not, you know, been the case here, but that's because they've, they're developing as leaders and they understand how the importance of that. And then the leadership responsibility that they're taking in the regiment. You know, we had James Walsh uh, was a commander this summer, this past summer in NDOC. Uh, we have Isaiah Nix is, was a class president or is a class president. Uh, you know, we have guys interviewing for different positions. So I think the empowerment piece of it and them understanding and, uh, it all starts with that character development and they go out and they execute it in a, in a variety of different areas. And, you know, they'll carry that on after they graduate and, and they'll be great, you know, beyond here. Yeah. You know, I, I developed by accident a, a coaching philosophy after about, you know, eight, nine years of coaching. And I, I really started, that's when I really started to look at my coaching uh, approach and, and what I do and what I believe was important. And when I got away from the, from trying to win that next game and, and, um, the three things I came up with, I think, were pretty simple. I came up with work hard, uh, make good decisions, and build relationships. And, and you just hit on on uh, uh, on making good decisions. And I love when when somebody hits on something that I really believe in. Um, that was my approach in coaching every single day, and that's what I take into this administrative role now as an athletic director. I want people to work hard every day. That's that's more than just showing up to work. You have to do that over over time, and you have to be consistent. You have to you have to go above and beyond at times. Uh, making good decisions, you're going to fail from time to time, you, but you have to make decisions with the information that you have, with the best interest of everybody at the moment, and make the best decision for your program or for your team or for your for yourself. You know, uh, uh, when it when it comes to the midshipmen or you know classes or doing homework or 
you know, getting, getting projects in on time, see projects, all that stuff. Um, and then build relationships. And that's, I think that's what we do best here in athletics is we build relationships and we provide support. Um, and, and we're hearing that, you know, through your stories with your midshipmen. So that's, that's pretty important stuff. What about you? One thing that I'll add, um, and coach, uh, I apologize if I get this, this quote incorrect, but coach always tells our guys to, uh, make good decisions or someone else will make a decision for you. Um, and, and what he means by that is if you go out and, and you cheat or you uh, lie or you steal, then you don't get that opportunity to, to decide what your punishment will or will not be. Um, and and I, I love that quote when he tells the guys that. Um, I'm but, glad you got it right then. Uh, I hope <laughs> I got it, it right. He nailed it. Right. <laughs> he nailed it. Um, but I think the biggest thing that, that Coach Foster's in our, in our practices is at a service academy, it's easy to fall into, I'm a freshman, I'm a sophomore, I can't tell a senior anything. Um, and I fell into that, you know, as a as a freshman um, at, at Air Force, where I could go, I felt uncomfortable going up to a senior and saying, man, you got to pick it up. You know, or, you know, you should have been at this spot, you know. But when we're on the court, you know, there's no freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, you know, Everybody has a common goal on the court, and that's to, to win. And and if you're a freshman and you see a senior slacking off, go tell them. Um, the big the big thing that happened, um, you know, in one of our earlier practices, one of the seniors, after we broke, you know, he stopped. And this was a senior that I didn't see being doing this before. Um, he stopped and he told all the guys, hey, we need to do this, boom, boom, boom. And he just rattled it off, and he sounded like Coach Pryor. Um, you know, and, and I was like, okay, now can we get a freshman to do that? Um, and that's the biggest thing because when you have that kind that type of accountability from every class, your team can go far. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's how he fosters that in, in practice is if, if I'm a freshman, you know, and, and I, this, again, I can't speak for any other program, but if I'm a freshman, I have to be able to, to, Go up to somebody older than me or, or my superior, um, and and let them know, hey, you need to pick it up. Yeah, and at the Merchant Marine Academy, it's a little different, a little like you said, a little more challenging because outside, you know, outside these four walls, uh, there's structure and there, there's rank, and, and right. you have to pay very very close attention to that all day, you know, all day long. But as soon as you step into that locker room and then onto the court. You know that goes away now. Everybody, everybody in competition has a voice, and when you when your team is doing that, uh, especially at a place like this, you know you got things rolling in the right direction. So, uh, but that's what I loved about you know I was I had a little regimental life in, in my college career, and I love the the two hours a day to step on the court and, and not have to worry about those seniors and juniors. Uh, you know, screaming in my face. I could, I could tell them a few things, you know, if it, as long as I'm working hard enough to do it, right. You got to be making shots and you got to be playing a little bit of defense uh, to be able to tell them, but the leaders on the court become leaders because they, they give you that opportunity. So uh, be, being at the Academy, um, there, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, we can, we can probably have a whole podcast about challenges, I'm sure, <laughs> but every program has their challenges. What, what are, what are one or two everyday challenges your program faces uh, that you need to overcome, and you do it through leadership? The biggest challenge that I think we face is balance. You know, like, we ask these midshipmen, these student athletes to do a lot. You know, they have to 
We want them to be great in practice. We want them to get over a 3.0 GPA. We want them to contribute in the regiment. You know, we want them to focus on their C year, you know, when they go out there. And uh, that's a lot, you know. And then for me, on top of that, you know, I want them to uh, be of sound mind, body, spirit. You know, I want them to to be in a good mental and emotional state, you know, so that you were able to accomplish all these things. But in order to do that, you got to have balance. And so – you know, for us as coaches, obviously we want to be a great team and we want to see them progress as individuals on the basketball court, but we have to be mindful of them developing in those other areas because at the end of the day, you know, we want them to be complete individuals, not just good basketball players. Uh, but the flip side is we have to try and keep them engaged enough so that they don't forget about basketball, you know, so they just don't, you know, hey, coach, I'm, you know, I'm studying nine hours a day and, you know, I'm shooting 10 minutes a day. It's like, well, you know, let's, let's balance this out. Let's see what we're doing with their time management. So, you know, we could be good at all those things, you know, and just prioritizing. And I think at a service academy, it's really easy for a student athlete to, to put basketball on the back burner, you know, especially the closer you get to graduation. You know, I think, like sophomore and junior year is, is a really challenging time for them because they're in the midst of their classes. They have C year. They're just so busy. They're trying to figure out what it is that they're going to do, you know, when they graduate. And, you know, am I going to get shots in or, you know, am I going to do something else? You know, I could take a nap here. I was up all night. Am I going to go get a workout in with Coach Brooks or am I going to do something else? Am I, I going to play 2K? You know, so – uh, that's the biggest thing that, that we face, but trying to help them understand that they're part of something special. And, you know, we've been great here before. You know, I tell people that all the time. Yep. We've been to the NCAA tournament. We've been to the Sweet 16 before. Like, it can be done. It's not like you're, you know, school's never in the history been to a tournament or won a championship. No, it's been done. So to get guys to be on board with that and understand that the balance is going to help get you there. You know, you don't have to forsake basketball to be good academically. You don't have to forsake the regiment to be good at basketball, but you do have to be intentional about managing your time and prioritizing things and doing things the right way so that you can be good at all of it, you yep. know, cause it, it's possible, not easy, but it's possible. Yeah. I, I love that answer. But I was, I did not expect you to go that way. And I, I love that answer. Cause it, I was just talking about this just yesterday. Um, I was looking at the academic schedule, just reviewing it, and I, I turned to my wife and I said, "I said, man, these guys, these guys go to school for a long time. <laughs> they start in July and they end in June in college. You know, that's it. plus they have their C year. And you talked about, you know, all the things that they have going on. You could say that about their plebe year, their sophomore years, first time out at C. They got a lot going on. Plus, they have their first taste of a little bit of freedom uh, away from plebe year. Then you got your junior year, which is eight months at C." And then you, then your senior year, prepping for license and trying to trying to get a job or, or enter the uh, enter the um, uh, armed forces when you get out. So there's there's so many things going on. How do you engage them in basketball uh, and develop them in basketball and then develop them as leaders? That, that's a lot of work uh, to do that. But you have to find the right individuals. You have to find the yes, right absolutely. you know the right athletes that want to be here for the right reasons and do all those things. Um, and like you said. They've done it before at the academy, uh, and I'll tell you, there's alums out there that want to see it again. They want to see it soon. I get called. Uh, they they want to see this program do well, um, and, and and I hear their stories, and they didn't have it easy either. You know, they 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 had a lot of challenges along the way. Um, so, 
uh, probably the same challenges. I don't think it's changed too much, really, honestly. Um, so, so we're yeah, that, that's an interesting approach and balance, and it's a hard thing to do uh, as a coach to allow that balance to happen because oh, yes. basketball is your priority. Uh, you know, that's, that's the number one reason you're here is to to lead this basketball program and. I can remember having three, three-and-a-half-hour practices early in my career, uh, mostly because I didn't want them doing anything else. I want them on the floor with me. But here, we actually want them to get a student life and to, to you know, make sure there's enough time to study, make sure there's enough time to rest, uh, make sure there's enough time to work out and see, have a little bit of a social life. But then when it's time to go to work on the basketball court, you got to figure it out. Derek? Um, I have a very easy job as an assistant because I could just echo – uh, what what Coach Pryor says, um, but I think we have a unique dynamic um, in our coaching staff that both of us attended a service academy, um, and we understand uh, the time management piece. We understand everything that's going to be on your plate as a midshipman here, um, because we had to do it as a as cadets. Um, sometimes our guys like that about us, and sometimes they don't. When we ask them, "Why didn't you get your shots up?" Um, and they say, well, coach, uh, I had to do this, 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 yeah, They this. can't get it over on you. No, no. no. And, and we say, well, we did too, but we <laughs> got shots up as well. Um, and, and that's the thing. You want basketball to be the best two hours of their day you know, as yes. coaches. Um, but you also want them to do what they have to do and what they need to do in the regiment um, and academically. But I'm going to keep mine short and sweet of what challenges we, we've had over, the, over my two years that I've been here. Uh, making open shots and making free throws. <laughs> I'll echo the free throws. I'll echo the free throws. I sat in those stands many a nights. <laughs> I think we made eye contact a few times yes, too, right? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. <laughs> even, even after a made, we're like, yeah, like, ooh, we got one. <laughs> I try not to stand up and clap uh, when we make one. Um, I think, like Coach said, the balance and the time management are the, the huge pieces um, that, that, we, that, that are challenges with our, within our program. Good. Yep. So uh, let's focus on the athletic program. You know, one or two things that you think the athletic program does here, uh, you know, well uh, to to help to help foster leadership, to help foster uh, the development of our midshipmen. You saying overall the athletic department? Uh, you know, I think we do a nice job of fostering relationships between teams. You know, I think. You know, when you have organizations like SAC and you have the Diversity and Inclusion uh, Committee and our family is, you know, so small. You know, we're not, a, we're not a big school. And so, you know, everyone's supporting each other at each other's games. Uh, I think that really fosters togetherness. And you've got to have that togetherness to build that synergy to, to accomplish things. And I've sat in rooms where, you know, they're bouncing ideas off of each other and you know, they're coming up and saying, hey, coach, you know, what, what about doing this? You know, or what about doing that? Not specifically related to basketball, but just just things in general. You know, I, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the members of our diversity inclusion committee, one of the soccer players, as we were preparing for the social media campaign, you know, he comes up to the office and he kind of says, hey, uh, coach, you know, I have, I have an idea. Why don't we do T-shirts for this? I had never thought of that that's a great idea to do t-shirts, you know, and, you know, a couple months later, uh, <laughs> we get the <laughs> months, <laughs> you know, government, government came through for us finally, but, uh, we, we get the t-shirts and, uh, 
you know, it's it's a message that will endure, you know, but but that was that came as a result of interaction between him and and members of other teams and, and getting together and building that synergy and having that camaraderie and then feeling comfortable. And, you know, he put the idea out to everybody, yeah. you know, as well. So I think doing that and it goes again, you know, not to beat a dead horse with the empowerment, but uh, you know, that's huge. And, but we're, we put them in positions where they can do that, you know, together and, you know, they're doing some great things. And I think we're just, we're just getting started. Yeah. As an athletic director, I have to tell you, I love nothing more. Uh, than when I see teams supporting each other and working with each other um, in a variety of ways, whether they're showing up to games and being supportive in stands in the stands, or that you just come in the conference room and you see them having dinner together or having studying together or doing different things like that. You know, where I'm always trying to find different ways to bring the entire athletic department together without being a nuisance to them, right? Out, without without making it mandatory, just make it a great environment where they can trust each other, they can work with each other, they develop uh, relationships with each other, and then ultimately the idea is for them to support each other in good times and bad, on the court, off the court, and then ultimately uh, after graduation and in the industry and and real life, they know they could pick up the phone and and call these individuals because they've had the same experiences and they can rely on each other. So developing opportunities uh, for athletes to help each other and support each other is really a priority of mine as a director of athletics. And it's good to hear that, you know, you think the program is doing that now. I would love to see it do it, you know, at, at even a higher level. Um, haven't cracked that code yet, but we're going to continue. We're going to continue to do that. Um, let's shift gears here because we're, we're winding it down a little bit. Uh, but I want to shift gears into into your program. And, and uh, let's talk about this year's this year's plan to play. <laughs> and, uh, you know, game schedule, practices, you know, how are you approaching this season right now, uh, you know, uh, with the students coming back here to campus in, in another couple of days, we'll have the entire team back on campus. What's your approach? Well, I think our approach started even before their return to campus. You know, what we've done is we've been very intentional about meeting with them every week and just kind of communicating things as we know it and this has been a a moving target in terms of our season and games and you know games have been scheduled and canceled and rescheduled and those types of things so keeping them abreast of it and giving them something to look forward to I think has been big Uh, the other thing is be optimistic you know be be positive so when we get back you know the games are on the schedule you know there's we're going to the intention is to play games and if something comes up you know we'll deal with it when it comes up but but let's Let's operate and prepare like, hey, we're doing this. You know, we're preparing every day. So I think the guys are really excited about it. Uh, I think the other thing is the games that we're playing, you know, they're very excited about. You know, so we're we're playing Coast Guard, who obviously you won't need a whole lot of motivation for that. Uh, we, d- we definitely owe those guys. <laughs> uh, so you have that and, you know, you have Manhattanville who won our division last year. You know, you have Yeshiva, who's a preseason number four team in the country. They've got two, you know, All-Americans on that team. So those are our first five games, you know, playing those teams. And, and that motivates our guys, you know, because they, they want to be great and they, and they see the potential. Uh, even though some of the guys haven't met our freshmen, they know about them. You know, they, they've heard about them and, They've connected a little bit, you know, over Zoom. Uh, so I, I think those are the biggest things. You know, we just got to come back with the mindset that we would have as if this is a, 
a regular season. Like yep. we're not going to change our work ethic. We're not going to change, you know, our workout, individual workouts, uh, other than the six feet distance. <laughs> uh, but, and we're going to stay positive, you know, so that's, that's our approach. And, you know, I know the guys will, will be chomping at the bit to get back on the court. I know we are. Yeah, I, that's a great apo- approach. And I see, I see Derek over here crossing his fingers, hoping, you know, that we're going to get these games played. But coach, talk about, talk about the incoming freshmen. Uh, that you have the, the, and, and what your expectation is on their impact on the program? We uh, currently have seven uh, freshmen on our team, um, and each one of them um, brings a unique skill set uh, to the to our team and, and to the court. Um, Bryce Bristow uh, from Plano, Texas, he's a, he's a do-it-all guy, um, probably the most versatile guy on our team. Um, he's going to be able to do a lot of things for us. Um, and uh, Gavin Green from Flower Mound, Texas, we knew he was a shooter. and We did not know. And I told, tell Coach this after the first week of practice. I knew he could shoot. I did not know he could shoot like that. Um, <laughs> and he's had, you know, he had a game in high school where he made 12 threes. I'll hold this podcast off till after, the, after the, the, the couple yeah, games in the I season, know. all right? We'll, we'll put it out <laughs> in late off. February. <laughs> Even though I think he can still get it off, even if they know. Um, you know, uh, another Texas guy uh, is Jake Hatch, most athletic guy on our team, um, hands down. Um, Josh Kaufman, another guy who could score from anywhere on the court. Um, Donovan uh, Donovan Thornhill, uh, Thomas Zing, two additions um, at the beginning of the season, two great guys um, who are going to help our team as well. Uh, but – our freshmen, we were we are hoping, um, and I, I missed out on one. Uh, Demarcus Spivey, um, unfortunately, you know, was was injured, but he was he was the leader. Like he mm-hmm. he comes uh, from a, a great family and and uh, military background family, and his first day, it's like he never has a bad day. Uh, smile, he's always smiling. Um, he gets on the court. He's it's infectious, um, and, and we're going to miss him a little bit. Um, just just off of that, you know, not not talking about his abilities on the floor, um, but I think all of our freshmen, um, they're going to bring something to our team dynamic that is that is going to definitely help. Yeah, and I know we've been excited about this class. We've been talking about this for a while now, so you know, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about that. And you know, entering your fourth year, like you said, uh, first year, not a, not no ability to recruit. Um, so you, now this is your third recruiting class, essentially, uh, and, and every year you, you've added some talent, added, you know, the class that you brought in last year, we were really excited about, and they, they really had an impact right away and all season long. So, you know, I'm, I'm expecting the same stuff from this class, and I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I stuck my head in a few open gyms early in the year, and, you know, you got basketball guys here, which is outstanding. <laughs> that's that's what we want. we want. We want basketball guys that also can get it done in the classroom and, uh, do the right thing throughout the academy. So, you know, I think you guys, I think the future is bright. I think, um, I think you guys are doing it the right way. I really appreciate that. One last question that I like to ask people that are here uh, because we all go through some tough times. We all go through uh, some challenges, and, and right away we turn to that phone and we pick somebody, you know, we, we dial a number. Uh, Coach Coach Pryor, who, who is it that you call when you need, you know, when, when something's you got to get it off your chest or you just got to bounce something off or, you know, who's that go-to call after, after a rough night? Uh, that'd be my father. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting because my dad was in the military for 30 years. The first 10 he spent enlisted 
And he's the one who introduced me to the game of basketball. An unbelievable leader. Like he's just he's just a phenomenal leader and, and just kind of the the way that he thinks and the way that he treats people I've I've always respected. You know, and he was always a guy that could get me in line without having to really threaten me. You know, I mean, a lot of times you, it's parents, you know, if you don't do this, 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 you know, my mom, she could deliver some threats and <laughs> that was good. I was, I was going to do it, you know? Uh, but my dad, he just, you know, he has this way about him where he, he, he never had to do that. I just never wanted to face what I thought could be the wrath if I didn't do what I was supposed to do. But our relationship has really changed, you know, as an adult, you know, we're more friends, you know, than, than anything. And so, you know, uh, outside of my wife, he's, he's my best friend, you know, so I, I call him and, and just, just say, Hey, you know, dad, what do you, what do you think? Uh, it, he wasn't at the game necessarily. He may not have seen the game, but he's always able to give me some great insights just about people and relationships. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're, we're doing. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, I had to throw a, a quick bonus call in there. The other uh, guy, uh, obviously, we don't talk as much as I talk to my father, but Coach Minton, who was the varsity coach at Air Force when I was a JV player, I'll tell you a quick story. So I wasn't very good. I think we've established that. So <laughs> I uh, I go into his office, and I'm having a heck of a time shooting the ball. Not that I was a great shooter in high school or anything, but I, I literally, I mean, I'm killing the backboard. So I go in, I go, Coach, I can't see. <laughs> and I'm sure he wasn't surprised, you know, when I when I told him that. <laughs> But he knows I'm not going to help him. I'm not going to help him this year. I'm not going to help him the year after that. And he looks at me the eye and goes, Rob, we're going to get you some contact lenses. He says, we're, we're going to get you some contact lenses. We'll figure out how to do it, and, and we'll get it done. And I walked out of that office, and I was like, yeah, man, now, you know, now I'm going to be the leading scorer. He's going <laughs> to love me. No, but, but, but he did that for me, and he didn't have to. You know, I wasn't going to help him. I was a nobody freshman. Uh, and so our relationship has been, you know, one of a, a mentor mentee since then. And I will call him. I can call him anytime. He's a, he just retired uh, from the NABC, uh, you know, executive director there. And he would always get back to me within 24 hours. This guy was extremely busy. And you know what? There's probably another hundred guys like me, you know, out there yep. that he's helping and, and mentoring. And he would always get back to me within 24 hours. Unbelievable uh, man. So, you know, I call him from time to time when uh, when I'm kind of at my wits end and just kind of <laughs> want to get his opinions on things. But um, but yeah, dad is go to and you know that's great for basketball specificity is uh, Coach Mint. That's two great stories. That's yeah. great, Derek. How about you? Um, my go to is, is sitting at this table uh, is, is Coach Pryor, um, and the reason why, and I touched on it a little bit earlier in the, in the pod. You know, coaches. He's walked. He's walked the path that I want to walk. Um, you know, being from Virginia, going to a service academy. I I said it in the, earlier. Uh, he was there when I had academic troubles at Air Force Academy. Um, he was there when I sat in the academic review board, and they told me I was the worst cadet ever. Um, <laughs> you know, and the way that I came out of that meeting, uh, punching walls and and just being distraught, that I was like. I'm not the worst cadet ever. I can I can do this. And just, um, you know, he was there freshman year when um, I had the opposite of, of what he had. I probably had the best stretch of practices I had ever had um, up to that point. And we're in the locker room before the UNLV game. And 
he comes up to me and he's like, DB, be ready. Your name's going to be called. And I'm like, Coach, I ain't played <laughs> in the last five games. So I've been out here lighting these starters up. It ain't never played. And you know, I'm sitting on the bench and, you know, the, the guy in front of me, you know, because a junior, he got three fouls. It, it took him to get three fouls for him to call my name. But, uh, you know, he got three fouls in the first half. And, and the head coach says, Derek. And I'm looking for another Derek on the bench. <laughs> Who's Derek? Yeah, I was like, Derek, they're calling you. And, and um, you know, I was like, yeah, coach didn't know I was going to play. Like, I got, uh, um, But, you know, anything that comes up, um, you know, I, I'll call the coaches that I've, I've played under. But, you know, Coach Pryor is always the first person. Um, and like I said, it's just because he's walked the path that I want to walk. You know, he he's going to give me – and the one thing that he's going to do is tell me the truth and tell me what I need to hear. Um, I tell our recruits that all the time. His door is always open, um, and, and he's going to tell you what you need to hear. you got to be ready for it, you know. And But, you know, that's the type of, of mentor um, and leader that he is, and, and that's why he's the first person I call. Yeah, that, that circles back to, you know, what, when we started this podcast, the relationship between you two is obvious and it's, uh, you know, seamless trans- transition. You come in here, the program's in a good place. It's doing really good things. You guys are working well together. You trust each other. You can count on each other. You hold each other accountable. Your team is starting to become a reflection of what you guys do on a daily basis. So, you know, as an athletic director or as the athletic director here, I appreciate that uh, because I know I can trust you guys to get to get your stuff done and keep your, uh, you know, keep your priorities in order. Um, and, and I'm really just looking forward to having you guys get back out there and compete, uh, yes. get this thing rolling again. Absolutely. But hey, that's our podcast. You know, we just we just knocked out an hour, guys. Oh, wow. I mean, you guys killed it. <laughs> you guys killed it. But you guys are really great to talk to. I, I really appreciate. It. I want to do this again. You know, we'll let some time pass. We'll get hopefully get through this season here. Um, if I can figure out how to keep this podcast rolling uh, and we and we keep it going, we we definitely want to bring you guys back. Uh, you guys cool with that? Yes, absolutely. All right, this good deal. Great. Thank you very much for your time. We we look forward to having you back on the Leadership Laboratory. Thank you everybody for listening. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on the Leadership Laboratory with Christopher Schnatz. We hope you enjoyed our conversation, and we look forward to exploring new topics in college athletics as we continue to interview some of the best in the business right here on the Leadership Laboratory.